Hello and welcome to another message of the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to write to us through our website at www.thelatterrain.org. You can also find all of our written and audio messages archived there. Keep in mind that our English audio messages are available as podcasts through iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcasts as a Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. We live in a world of darkness where injustice prevails most of the time. A lot of times we complain about how unfair and difficult things can be, but do we do something about it? In today's message, we will see that even in a dark and evil world, God's Word can still shine brightly to help bring the light of reason to our own lives and to others as well. If we make the Word of God our foundation, the way we live life, our lives can be made different and we will become the light that this world needs. God's Word can light our path here and now and help us get to the eternity God desires for all of those that love Him. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we listen to God's Word. Let us take a moment to pray together to the Lord so He can speak to us through His Word and help us understand what we need to understand. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord, that You please forgive my sins. Heavenly Father, please, O Lord, remember in Your mercy and in Your grace, O Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, for your guidance through your Holy Spirit. I pray, O Lord God, that you may be able to minister to us. Help us, O Lord, to understand what we need to understand, Lord God. Help us to understand the, the power that is in your word and how we can be transformed and changed and made into what we need to be made so that this world can be a better place, a different place, so that many can come to know you also. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join me in reading Psalm chapter 119, verses 129 to 136, if, uh, if you're able to. Again, it's Psalm chapter 119, verses 129 to 136. This is what the word of the Lord says. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me, as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word, and let not iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. As we read through this passage, although a short passage, there is quite a lot here to unpack. There are many concepts to explore. We'll try to go after some of them, and probably the best way to do this is by taking things one step at a time. And so we will go through it in an expository manner. If we start with the first verse, on verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. What are God's testimonies, and why does a writer desire to keep them? God's testimonies 
are his works. All the different things God has done and continues to do presently. It's about trying to keep track of all those things that are attributable to God's doing. I know that we cannot see God with our human eyes, but we can use our senses to contemplate what God has done. We know that God exists because of what he has done. This should also be the way our faith gets built, if you will, by observing the Lord's handiwork. One of the main problems that people have is that the obvious eludes them, or rather they probably choose to ignore the obvious by taking too much for granted. For instance, if we choose to believe that God created things, then the obvious, everything that surrounds us, including our very own existence, should tell us about His works, His testimonies, what tells us that He in fact exists and is capable of incredible things. If a person chooses to believe that the universe is a cosmic accident and that God is not behind creation, then unfortunately for them, they need to then conceive that their own existence is an accident without any kind of reason or justification for them to exist. But that is not what the Bible teaches us, which at the very least sounds much better than for everything to be a product of an accident that just continues evolving out of control. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Creation is the first thing that talks to us about who God is and what he is capable of doing. If we just look around, we can really start to understand his greatness. Everything that we see in one way or another, God is behind them. Even the things that are made by men all come from God's creation because man does not have the ability to make something out of nothing. We need to start with created material or matter in order to produce something else. As a matter of fact, if we want to bring science into the conversation, the first law of thermodynamics, also known as the law of conservation of energy, states that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Energy can only be transferred or changed from one form to another. In other words, energy cannot be created or destroyed. And so science itself tells us that we cannot create something out of nothing. Only God can just speak things into existence. That's how mighty and powerful our God is. Just because a person, a normal human being, tells us that this is not possible does not make it true. And so we should look to the heavens, to the earth, to the sun, to the sky at night, and to all of the stars and the planets we see that gives us clear pictures of who this God is and what he is capable of. If we look at the earth and everything in it, we can see incredible and wonderful things. Things that are large in scale and also very tiny, barely visible to the human eye. And there's a universe of things, if you will, in the microscopic world where the naked eye cannot see anything unless through special devices. If we listen to creation, to the wind rustling through the trees and everything that moves around us, the sounds of birds chirping, we can hear God's creation. When we take a fragrant flower in our hand and take in its aroma, we can smell the sweetness of God's creation. When our hands hold an infant's hand, we can feel the tenderness of a new life that God has allowed to come into existence. When we are thirsty after working hard on a hot day, we drink a cool glass of water to quench our thirst. We can taste God's work. All of our senses talk to us about God's testimonies, about what He is capable of. 
just with creation itself, we can learn faith and understand that God is real and that he is who he is. And that's why the writer tells us that he intends to keep these and many of the things he has noticed about God's work deep inside in the center of his being, in his soul. The soul encompasses many things in a person, their consciousness, their reasoning, their understanding, ultimately the very essence of who they are, the part of them that can live eternally. He wants for God's testimonies to become a part of this soul. The next verse says, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Is he talking about a physical light? Not necessarily. But he uses the term light so that we can understand what it does. The word light is used throughout the Bible and of course is reference to the Lord. Light has a very powerful and obvious quality. For those of us that have the gift of sight should understand this concept quite well. But because it is so obvious and taken for granted, it is a gift that is not valued as it should be valued. Ever since we open our eyes for the first time after birth, we see some form of light. Light helps us identify things. Light helps us to see what surrounds us. Light gives us life. We would not have food if it were not for light. We're able to see the colors and details of everything our eyes observe because light makes that possible. Even if we had perfect vision without the light, we would be lost. And so God's word gives light because it is light. We need to remember that the word of God spoke everything into existence, including the physical light. His words help us find the light of where our things come from and why are all things what they are. His words guide us to eternal life. His words help us understand the who, what, where, why, and how of everything. His words are direction. John chapter 8 verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John chapter 1 also says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The Word and the light are synonymous because both point to one person, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God, and as such, He is the only one that can give understanding to the simple. No matter what our aptitudes or abilities are, we can learn all things through Christ. Our simplicity is not the problem in our potential lack of understanding. Our issue in understanding is mainly not being able to grasp the concept that Jesus is the answer to everything and that His Word is ultimate truth. Jesus needs to be our light. He needs to be what we use to see everything around us, beyond us, inside of us, and so on. Moving on in verse 131, the writer tells us this, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. He wrote this because he understood just how valuable God is and the value of his words, the power of his light. When we just start to understand who God is, there's an incredible hunger and desire for him that awakens. A longing for this limitless fountain of knowledge and light is generated in our hearts. And the more we get into it, the more we should want because his light starts opening all kinds of different horizons and views for us. We were blind, but through Jesus Christ, through his light, through his word, is that we start to see things very clearly. If we go to verse 132 now, it says, Look upon me and be merciful to me, as your custom is toward those who love your name. 
We read here that God looks upon us and has mercy on us if we love His name. We need to remember that ultimately God is looking for love from us. His desire is that we learn to love Him as much as He loves us, which is a fair thing to do. God created us, gives us the abilities to do so many things, including allowing us to live because we live and breathe through Him. All things exist because He allows them to exist. The Bible reveals this truth to us in Colossians chapter 1 where it says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And of course He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ to die for us so we could have the opportunity of salvation through him and making us his children so that we could inherit all things. We basically owe every single thing to him. First John chapter 4 verse 9 to 10 puts it like this, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And our natural response to His love should be, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so, love should be the basis for everything in the Lord. And when we love the Lord, is that we then find His mercy. It's all very simple once you start understanding the basis and foundation for what God is looking for. Now let's look at verse 133 where it says, Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. We read that the writer asked to be directed by God's word and not for iniquity to have dominion over him. This implies many things. First, he reiterates the importance of God's word in his life and that he desires for his life for all the aspects to be guided by him. And he makes the point of not being guided or under the control of iniquity. Why is that? Why should we desire what he is saying? If we understand what iniquity is, that it is in fact sin, even if it may seem pleasant or fun or exciting at the moment, sin will always bring about death as a consequence. It will always cause problems both here and now and of course in the future. There is this one irrefutable spiritual law that never changes, even when you come to Christ. And that is, for the wages of sin is death. Sin, whether seen as great or small, whatever it is, will always bring about consequences. And that is why God wants for us to move away from sin, to learn how to let it go or stop committing it through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the washing of His Word. His word instructs us on what is good and what we should really be doing. We just need to submit ourselves to his guidance. And the start of that is always acknowledging what is wrong. That's the very first step. Understanding and admitting that there is a problem. And then submitting that problem to the Lord. But if we let sin run our lives, then we are welcoming in a world of hurt and problems and painful consequences sooner or later. Everything we do has consequences. And that is why the writer wants what we should want to avoid. Now verse 134 says, Redeem me from the oppression of man that I may keep your precepts. The evil that we suffer from other people is due to the sin in their life. 
Other people bring about pain in our lives when they sin against us. We can look at this also from other people's perspective. We oppress people when there is sin in our lives. And so when God starts working in our lives, we stop hurting others. And of course, when God starts working in other people, they will stop hurting those around them as well. If everyone did what God teaches us to do, the world would be a completely different place. We know this world will never get there, but God's purpose is for us to be put up a fight for those that love Him, not to be a part of the vicious cycle. We do need to remember also that each of us, even those in Christ, will give an account for every single thing we do, which is the other reason to be careful. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 11 puts it very clearly, especially to us Christians, where it says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. And so we need to let God change us so we can stop doing those things that hurt others. God's word brings to the light what we do wrong. We sometimes are completely unaware of the way we hurt others, but it happens. Now let's continue to verse 135 where it says, Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. The only way that we will do what is right before the Lord is if we understand that we need to serve Him. There are many believers that take the stand that they just want to remain being His children and rendering no service to God. There are also many misconceptions with grace that since we are saved by grace that we don't need to do anything to maintain our salvation. From a certain point of view, yes, of course, grace is free and unmerited, but we can never forget that we were created and saved through Jesus Christ so we can do those things that bring Him honor and glory. Jesus taught us in many occasions that God is like an investor or a master and that He has left in our possession certain wealth that needs to be multiplied, that He needs to get something back on top of His investment or His possession, and that those servants that did nothing with what He gave them, that they were cast out and sent to a place of eternal punishment. So you see, we're not saved by works, but we are expected to produce good works, to multiply what God gives us, and not just in money like many preachers tell people so that they can make people give them their money, but in the deeds that God has prepared for us to do. That's why we need for God to teach us His statutes, to ultimately teach us what He wants us to do. When God teaches us His ways, it means that we have found favor in Him and that He wants for our lives to be productive for Him, for our own good and for His glory. His face is shining on us when He exposes us to the truth of His Word and gives us the opportunity to serve. That's why our time here on earth is so important. We need to make every minute count. Every moment He gives us to live here is an opportunity to do something for Him, for our own good, for the good of others, and for His glory. And finally, we read verse 136 where it says, Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. The writer expresses extreme sadness and pain when people do not keep God's law, His commandments. Why is that? 
Because when people do not do what is good and pleasing for the Lord, everyone comes out losing and only pain, hardship and destruction come about. Everything that is not according to God's word is sin and sin only produces death no matter how small or how enjoyable or how inoffensive it may seem. At the end of the day, when we sin, we hurt other people and ourselves and we do it in the deepest of ways, spiritually. And so it is a lie when society tells you that it is okay to do whatever you want as long as you don't hurt others. Sin will always hurt someone, whether you realize it or not. Time tells all things. And where all of us will know the good and the bad we have done is when we stand before God's judgment. I would much rather err on the side of caution, although it is not an error, and tell you that you do need to worry about what you do and that you will give an account because God's word says so, rather than have you believe some fairy tale or things that sound good and then you experience something completely different when it's too late and there is nothing to be done and you are judged by it. At the end of the day, it is your choice. But every single person is responsible for what they choose to do. And everything has consequences both here and now. And when we stand before the one that judges all things. God's testimonies are all around us, including our own very lives. And his word is a light that reveals to us the truth of all things. For our own sake, we need to look to God's word so we can learn what is necessary for our lives. So we can know what we should be doing. So we can stop doing those things that only bring about pain, suffering and judgment. His word is our light. His word is ultimately the person of Jesus Christ. All answers are in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we make his word, Jesus Christ, the center of our lives and a part of our continual search, we will come to understand what the writer of this psalm is talking about, not because he wrote it, although all scripture is inspired by God, but because it will become our own feeling, our own desire as well. When we finally understand the truth of God, we will find his testimonies wonderful. We will want to keep them in our soul. We will gain understanding. We will long for his commandments. We will have God look upon us and have mercy, and we learn to love him. We will also ask him to direct our steps by his word and we will see every opportunity he gives us to serve him as God shining down on us, giving us the chance to be a part of his testimonies. Jesus said this, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We will become the light the world needs so desperately when we put into action God's word in our lives. That is God's will for our life, to be the light in a dark and fallen world for his honor and glory and for your eternal benefit. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Thank you, O Lord, for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you for the salvation that we find through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord, for the light of your word. Heavenly Father, thank you because you give us the instruction. You give us, Lord God, the, 
Lord God, Heavenly Father, the direction that we need so that our lives can change. So that we can stop doing those things that only cause pain and hardship. And that we can start doing those things that bring life and eternity. Heavenly Father, help us to understand the value of your word and that your value, and Lord God, that your word needs to become a part of each and every area of our lives. Heavenly Father, help us to be faithful in searching for you, and looking for you, and putting to Lord God to, to work what you want us to do. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for each person that is listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may speak in a mighty and powerful way to their hearts and that they may understand, Lord God, just how important your word is and that it is light and it is life and it will transform us and change us and help us become what you want us to become. And Lord God, because you love us and you care about us, you only want great and wonderful things for us, Lord God and for everyone around us. Heavenly Father, remember us in your mercy and in your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please feel free to join us again next time as we continue looking into God's word together. If you would like to write to us, you can do so through our website. Our web address again is www.thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.